Credibility. It's kind of important for the institutions that hold up your nation to have some of it. Not only do ours not have any left, they apparently don't realize they don't have any left because it keeps going down. We have that in Carol Ross tonight. All that's coming up on I'm Right. Welcome to I'm Right. It's time for COVID communism. 750 million new cases yesterday, or close to that, is a, a lot. 750 million population of America's like 330 million, but it, ah, don't worry about it. All right, welcome to I'm Right. And let's, let's just have a little chat. How are we supposed to think about our government now? I guess not just government. How are we supposed to think about our institutions now? Let's have, look, let's have a hard, honest talk. You know we do that. Let's have a hard, honest talk. It's a Monday. It's a good day for hard talks. That's not some idiot college student. I know you've seen those shows before, TV shows, radio shows. And they're always funny when they do man-on-the-street segments. You've seen comedy shows do it, right-wing shows do it, left-wing shows I'm sure do it too. I don't watch those. But they do a man-on-the-street segment. And they'll go track down, they'll be on a New York City streets or something like that. And they'll go put a microphone in someone's face. And they'll say, yeah, who's the vice president of the United States? And you know, there's always some idiot there. So, Harry Truman? And, and the, 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 it's, it's hilarious because, look, let's be honest, the punchline is, man, how dumb are some people? And we point and laugh in five seconds and we move on. That's, you've, you've seen these shows. That's a Supreme Court justice right there. That idiot on the street corner we mocked for years, he's not on the street corner anymore. The guy who lives in a complete world of make-believe and doesn't have any idea about what truth is or what it isn't, he's not sitting there on the subway waiting for some reporter to stick a microphone in his face and everyone gets a funny. He sits in CEO corporate boardrooms. He occupies the Supreme Court of the United States of America. He makes your movies. He teaches your kids at college. He occupies the Oval Office. He's a United States Senator. Now, we know that. We have people who are either morons or liars or some combination of the two. They now lead virtually every institution. Oh, I'm going to get to the CDC in just a moment. But they lead the institutions that hold up a nation. Remember, nations are held up by its institutions. They are the cultural pillars on which a nation rests. And ours are all led by morons now. Which brings me back to the question, and I'll be honest with you, this is a huge mistake. You're never supposed to do this in TV or radio, but I do it anyway because it's my show and the first lets me say whatever I want. I'm going to ask a question. I don't have an answer to it, or at least not a good one. How are we, how are you, how am I supposed to think about my institutions now? I mean, what if... What if tomorrow, what if tomorrow you woke up and the CDC, we'll get to them in a minute, but the CDC comes out and says, oh my gosh, there's super Ebola. It's, it, it, just hit, uh, it just hit Charleston, South Carolina. Half the population has it and they're all going to die. Everybody go home and shelter in place now. Now, I don't know about you. But right or wrong, I would pick up my phone and see that and go, oh gosh, here we go, that's another lie. And I'd go to work. I'd be here doing my show. 
But what if that was real? How would we know? When you don't have anything, anyone bringing you information you can trust, I argue it's a lot bigger deal than just you and I scoffing at things. I argue we're on the back end of the end of a nation if something doesn't get turned around. The loss of trust in America's institutions is a major deal. And the, the, the craziest thing about it is this. At least it's crazy for you and crazy for me or from the outside looking in. The craziest thing is not that we don't trust them, not that they're liars and morons. It's that they're so insulated in the bubble they've created for themselves that every single thing they do seems to only make the distrust worse. Everything they're doing makes it worse. Everything. Sonia Sotomayor is a Supreme Court justice. Now, I realize she's a nut job and a communist and, she, of course, appointed by Obama. So I know she's all these things. She is on the Supreme Court. There's only nine of them in the world. And she got up and said this. Country today than we had a year ago in January. Um, we have hospitals that are almost at full capacity with people is severely ill on ventilators. We have over 100,000 children, which we've never had before, in, in serious condition, and uh, many on ventilators. Um, so saying it's a different variant just underscores the fact that without... The, without um Everything you just heard, there's a lie. Omicron, Omicron is 80% less vicious than Delta was. 80%. There aren't mass kids on ventilators, hospitals overwhelmed. Every single thing she just said right there, it's not, it's not a difference of opinion. It's a flat-out lie. And again, I want to come back to what I just said at the beginning. This isn't some idiot standing by the subway in New York getting interviewed. That's a Supreme Court justice. How are you and I supposed to hear things like that and say to ourselves, this is an institution that has any credibility at all? That's a Supreme Court justice. And let's be honest, let's not let her squirm out of this by basically just being a moron. She did that on purpose. The system will lie and tell gigantic, easily provable lies, and they'll tell them over and over and over and over again without shame because that's how communists have always operated. I don't need to replay my sky is green theory for you now. You know it by heart, but boy, you see it everywhere now, don't you? I mean, Rachel Wal or Rochelle, I'm sorry, Walensky, the CDC director, was even pressed about Sonia Sotomayor blatantly lying, and even she was kind of squirming in the chair. We can find from Friday suggests there are fewer than 3,500 current pediatric hospitalizations from COVID-19. Is that true? Yeah, but, you know, here's what I can tell you about our pediatric hospitalizations now. First of all, the vast majority of children who are in the hospital are unvaccinated. And for those children who are not eligible for vaccination, we do know that they are most likely to get sick with COVID if their family members aren't vaccinated. So the most important thing we can do for those children to keep them out of the hospital is to vaccinate them and to vaccinate their family members around them. Understood. But the number is not 100,000. It's roughly 3,500 in hospitals now. Yes. Yeah. You understand what a big deal that is? Let's not, let's not gloss over this. Remember, Sotomayor said it's 100,000. The real number is 3,500. Credit to Brett Baer for, for pressing her on that. But this is why I call it the system. This is a great example of the system. 
how now, instead of separate cultural pillars that can check each other, you know, a college professor can check if the government's lying, a journalist can check if Hollywood's lying, they'll check each other. Now, since they're all run by the same ideology, there's no check. So you and I have no defense. If a Supreme Court justice like Sotomayor gets up there and tells a blatant lie, you should be able to rely on the CDC director to step up and say, that's not true. No, 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 hold on, that's not true. But there aren't checks anymore. Watch this woman squirm when pressed on the line. Do you feel a responsibility as a CDC director to correct a very big mischaracterization by one of the Supreme Court justices? Yeah, I, um, here's what I'll tell you. I'll tell you that right now, 17, you're, if you're unvaccinated, you're 17 times more likely to be in the hospital and 20 times more likely to die than if you're on, than if you're boosted. And so what my responsibility is, is to provide guidance and recommendations to protect the American people. Those recommendations strongly, uh, recommend vaccination for our children above the age of five and boosting for everyone above the age of 18 if they're eligible. Does that sound like a CDC director? Or does that sound like a left-wing politician? Amazing how everyone now at the FBI, CDC, DOJ, Hollywood, college, they all just simply sound like left-wing politicians. Oh, and let's talk about something else as long as we're bringing up uncomfortable things. I remember, gosh, it seems like it was only yesterday. A couple years ago, when coronavirus first got here and they were all putting out these scare numbers, millions will die, maybe by August, and then trying to scare everyone, stay home, hide, wear a mask, wear 10 masks, shut down your business, you're not essential, you remember all that. It was very early on in the pandemic, some people, there were about five of us, were saying, okay, I'm talking to doctors and nurses, and a lot of these things they're calling COVID deaths are actually people who were on death's door anyway. They died with COVID. They, they tested positive for COVID, but they had all kinds of other things going wrong, emphysema and other, just all kinds of other things. There's a huge difference between dying with COVID and dying from COVID. And this was last year. This was, this was two years ago when, when, when all this was happening. And we were all shouted down treated like idiots and monsters. Trust the science. I remember I, I had that yelled at me several times. Why aren't you trusting the science? It's funny because now Rochelle Walensky sounds like Jesse Kelly. Do you know how many of the 836,000 deaths in the U.S. linked to COVID are from COVID or how many are with COVID but they had other comorbidities? Do you have that breakdown? Um, yes, of course, with Omicron, we're following that very carefully. Our death registry, of course, um, takes a few weeks to and is, uh, takes a few weeks to collect. Um, and of course, Omicron has just been with us for a few weeks, but those data will be forthcoming. Yeah, it's not going to be forthcoming. Allow me to burst your bubble. 800,000. That's the number of people throw out of dying from coronavirus. That number is about 80 percent inflated from the numbers we have. 80 percent inflated makes that pandemic look a little different, right? Makes that essential and non-essential business look a little different. Makes it look a little different that they closed down the gym, filled in your skate parks with sand and arrested paddleboarders for paddleboarding by themselves in the ocean. Maybe you don't remember they put handcuffs on a pastor in Florida and took him to jail for having church. 
you may have forgotten about these things. I will never forget. And I will never forget it was always justified because we're all going to die otherwise. Maybe we weren't all going to die and maybe this was all a lie and maybe you should be a lot angrier about it than you are. When even Brian Stelter at CNN is calling out someone else's credibility, you know we have a crisis on our hands. The CDC has turned into a punchline. It is so sad, but it's true. The CDC has turned into a punchline. That's where we are. Now, let's talk about where else we are. Speaking of, you remember how we just talked about how they're so deep in their own bubble, they they don't realize everything they do now makes it worse. And there's a reason for this. Let me clarify this. You've heard me talk about this before. Me, you, someone who's normal, you are forced, forced to confront communist ideology everywhere in your daily life because they control all the institutions in America. You can't go turn on the television without getting blasted with some Black Lives Matter crap. You can't go to the movies without looking at feminism. You can't turn on the news. You can't. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. You're constantly having to interpret things and deprogram yourself because it's everywhere. You're just getting barraged by it. But these communists who live, work, and worship in places like New York, D.C., L.A., they don't. They don't ever have to confront differing opinions. They don't ever have to hear what you think or what I think. They truly don't. They don't turn on the first. They should, but they don't. They don't listen to my radio show. They don't follow you on social media. They should, but they don't. And so we have people who not only have their credibility at zero, they seem intent on bringing that number somehow down even further. Right now, the Biden administration, you know what they're considering before they hand out COVID treatments? Race. Oh, yes, that's right. Race and ethnicity. Here in the United States of America, it's now become, gosh, what is that word? It starts with an S. I remember hearing a lot about it over the last couple of years. Systemic, that you can receive medical treatment based on race and ethnicity. How's all that divisiveness? How's all that inclusion, equity, equality? How's all that working out? And let's, let's again, let's remember something here. Coronavirus is not only no threat to children, virtually zero threat, Even the CDC is now admitting that people who are vaccinated can spread it. So let's go back to these schools and what's going on there. Here's New York City Mayor Eric Adams. COVID is a formidable and moving target. And we have to pivot and shift based on that. And our policies have been rooted in, I need my children in school. And if my medical professionals tell me, Eric, we have to do a mandated vaccine, we're going to do that. Mandate a vaccine for a disease that's at no threat to the kids and won't stop them from spreading it? Apparently, the institutions are not at all aware of the credibility they've lost. Oh, we've got a lot more for you tonight. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. All right, coming up next. You know how I say we're going to lose a major war a lot? Wait till you hear the latest coming out of our U.S. military. It is not good. But first, you know how I tell you about Northwest retention systems all the time? How they have the best gear I've ever seen. I know you love the designs. I love the designs, too. It's not really my thing, but their designs are awesome. But it's just the quality. I've never seen quality like this in gear, ever. NWRetention.com. 
Let me tell you the type of people you're dealing with at Northwest Retention Systems, though. This is just a side story. They don't know I'm telling this. So there's a, a boy in my neighborhood, not going to go into the details, recently lost his father unexpectedly. He's a kid who loves guns, shooting, things like that. So a bunch of us have been getting together, making sure he's taken care of and getting the gear he needs. So this weekend, because, I mean, what's better than Northwest Retention Systems? This weekend, Tim's his name. I get a hold of Tim at Northwest Retention Systems. Just send him a couple text messages. Let me just say that kid's not going to be hurting for gear very much longer. No charge, no nothing. Northwest Retention Systems found out the story. Boom all over it. That's the kind of people I want to deal with. Go to nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE and you'd save 10%. nwretention.com. We'll be back. Story came out this weekend. The Navy is extending the length of their boot camp. And I know you're probably thinking, that's awesome. Let's, do, let's find out. Let's, let's get tougher. Oh, no, 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 no. Read the screen. They're extending the length of their boot camp for more wokeism crap. I'll tell you what. Let's, let's pause right there. Pause right there. Just, just hold that thought for a moment. You ever heard the name John Yancey? You're about to do some history with me. You ever heard the name John Yancey? I'll tell you a little story. World War II comes around. I don't have to explain to you World War II was horrific. And if you know anything about the Pacific portion of that, fighting the Japanese, it was extra horrific. Turned up to a thousand. They were extra horrific. The environment was extra horrific. And Paul, one of the first major military campaigns, mainly a Marine Corps campaign, some Army too, with all due respect, was Guadalcanal. Bunch of Japanese soldiers there. We had to send some guys in and get them out. The Marines decided they were going to start some special forces group called the Marine Raiders. And one of the leaders of the Marine Raiders, his name was Evans Carlson. And they landed these Marine Raiders basically behind enemy lines and said, hey, go kill a bunch of Japanese soldiers. Evans Carlson on this campaign, it's a famous campaign now, very famous. I would highly recommend you look into this campaign on your own. I'm not going into it tonight. Evans Carlson and his group of Raiders just slaughtered those Japanese guys. It was awesome. And he had a right-hand man, kind of a bodyguard who looked after him during this time. And that right-hand man's name was John Yancey. And he was basically a freaking lion. The guy was such a study when the Navy Cross on Guadalcanal was already, at the end of World War II, a hero, a legend. John Yancey's not one to rest on his laurels, though. He decided to stay in the United States Marine Corps. He got a battlefield promotion to lieutenant during World War II because he was such a stud. They finally said, my goodness, just put some officer's bars on this guy. So now, brings us to the Korean War. You know anything about the Korean War? Highly recommend you dig into it. Most people don't know anything about it. It's not sexy like World War II. People forget. But during the Korean War... We sent, obviously, I know there were a bunch of U.N. troops, but we sent about 20,000 U.S. Marines and some Army personnel up into North Korea. We were fighting them off. We got into basically the, the middle of the two Koreas, and then Douglas MacArthur, I'm not going to go into that, decided, hey, let's just invade all the way up to China. So they sent these Marines up there. Well, Mao Zedong, head of China, obviously Chinese communist scumbag that he was, 
Well, he was also a brilliant, brilliant military man, studied Sun Tzu, all these things. He saw all these Americans coming in. He hated America for backing his former opponents, the nationalists in China, and he decided he wanted to slaughter a bunch of Americans. So what he did was a bunch of things I won't get into, coaxing the Americans further north and further north and further north, all the while sending 300,000 Chinese troops down to slaughter these Marines and Army guys. They ended up at a place called Chosen Reservoir. You've probably heard of it before. Chosen Reservoir is about 20 degrees below zero when the winter hits. Marines got there about the time winter hit, and that was the place the Chinese decided they were going to spring their trap, surround the Marines, cut them off, and slaughter 20,000 Marines and Army. And so what happened was the Marines got there, got cut off, and now you got to dig in and fight. And so they would take these smaller marine units and you would simply pick different hills. The hills all had numbers on them based on their elevation. They would dig in here, dig in there, dig in there. And on one hill was John Yancey's unit. He was in charge up there. He was a lieutenant at the time and already a legend, keep in mind. Already a war hero, a legend. And John Yancey stood there that night in the 20 below zero while his men dug in and he dug in and he knew what was coming. They had flares set out, trip flares, so when someone would hit it, it would set it off. At one point, John Yancey gets the feeling that he's surrounded and the Chinese are coming. Keep in mind, this is the dead of night. There aren't street lights here. He calls down for his unit to send up some flares in the air so he can see, and they send up the flares, and he looks down over the hill, and they said it was like the ground was moving. There was just a sea of Chinese coming up the hill, bayonets attached, attached to kill him and everyone in his unit. They began to slaughter Chinese soldiers by the thousand, and they kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And John Yancey didn't lay down, didn't cry, didn't back away, didn't hide in a hole. He spent the entire night encouraging his men, yelling at his men, shoot here, fill in there, this guy's dead, get him out of the way, put someone else in there, a lion, an absolute lion. By the time morning came around, 90% of John Yancey's unit casualties, 90%. Nine out of every ten men, gone. There aren't many of them left. John Yancey has another hole in the line he needs to plug. He gathers up his men and says, let's charge right there, make sure we secure that hole in the line. Keep in mind, this man has been wounded several times throughout the night, including at one point in time an explosion lodging a piece of shrapnel up in the roof of his mouth so he was choking on his own blood all night long. Too graphic? Tough. John Yancey went through it. You could sit there and listen to it. So while he's in this condition, gathers up his men, gets ready to charge, a Chinese soldier grabs a Thompson submachine gun and sprays John Yancey in the face. In the face. Goes right through his face, dislocates his jaw, shatters a bunch of teeth, by the grace of God doesn't hit him in the brain or the spine, lodges back by his spine. But here he is with a bunch of bullet wounds in his face and his right eye hanging out. It blew his eye out of the socket. John Yancey, with his eye hanging on the side of his face, pulls out a 45 he took off of a Japanese soldier he'd killed and kills this Chinese soldier. He then looks down, grabs his right eye, and mashes it back into his skull. That's John Yancey. He would have got the Medal of Honor for it, except for all his commanding officers were dead, as well as most everyone else. They escorted him off the mountain, and he was eventually processed out of the Marine Corps, a hero, a legend. Now, that's the story of John Yancey. Now, Mr. Producer, if you wouldn't mind, would you put up the screen again and see the training your military is going through today? 
do they look like they're training the next generation of John Yancey's? Or do they look like they're training the next generation of Nancy's who are simply going to lay down and let the communist Chinese storm through them like nothing? Keep in mind, by the end of that first night, Yancey and his unit were so low on ammo they were scrounging through the dead Chinese bodies trying to find anything that shoots. I know that probably made you uncomfortable, but this military is not ready, and they're not going to be ready unless something drastic changes. All right, we got uh, some rough-looking poll numbers for Joe Biden coming up next, but first, Eden Pure, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. One, I just want to thank you for all the emails I get. I, honestly, it's one of the most common emails I get are people saying, Jesse, I can't thank you enough for the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. I'm telling you, I don't want to use the word miraculous. I don't want to use that. They wouldn't tell you that. A lot of research and effort went into this thing. But it's an air purifier. Just this little compact thing just goes right in the outlet on the wall. I threw away my over-the-counter allergy medication that I'd been taking for years after this thing. The odors get removed from the air. You don't even realize you have odors in the air. It's your house until this thing's plugged in for a couple hours and you go, oh, my home smells so clean. And I own three of them. They have a deal right now for my viewers. If you go to EdenPureDeals.com and use the code JESSE, you can save $200 on a three-pack. $200. That's right. You get three for under 200 bucks. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. I keep one in my bedroom, one in my boys' room, one in the living room. EdenPureDeals.com code JESSE. We'll be back. Uh-oh. Trouble on the home front for old Joe Biden. <laughs> There's a new Rasmussen poll out. Only 28% of people believe he will be reelected in 2024. 38% say he loses... 21%, this is the best, say he resigns before his term even ends. Man, that is not exactly a vote of confidence <laughs> from the American public. So that's the good news. What's the bad news? What have I been telling you about 2022? The communist doesn't think like you think. He doesn't think like I think. And it's an adjustment for us to try to think like him or at least understand how he thinks. The communist isn't sitting back thinking about 2022 and saying, ah, dang, didn't work out this time, guys. Hey, you know what? We'll get them next time. We're going to lose some seats. No big deal. It doesn't think in those terms. The communist only thinks about advancing. They've already enlisted Michelle Obama to register one million new voters. And if you think she doesn't have the juice for that, you've got another thing coming. Michelle Obama not only has the popularity sadly i can't stand her but we're not going into that she has the financial backing to make a lot of this happen maybe they won't get to a million but they're going to get to a lot we can't just rest on the fact that joe biden is an unpopular jerk we have to keep pressing forward maybe the best way to keep pressing forward is hammering nancy pelosi over and over and over again. Here's a video of Nancy Pelosi and her new eyebrows. What the Republicans are doing across the country is really a, a legislative continu continuation of what they did on January 6th, which is to undermine our democracy, to uh, undermine the integrity of our elections, uh, to uh, undermine the, uh, the, the voting power, which is the essence of a democracy. 
We're not a democracy, by the way. We're a republic. What are you? What are you doing? Put those. You know what? Forget about that. It is funny though how it's undermining democracy. Questioning an election is undermining democracy. Didn't you hear? I wonder if Nancy Pelosi has the same thing to say to Nancy Pelosi. Before the election, there were complaints about absentee ballots that were requested but did not arrive. There were reports of registration problems and of improper purging of the voting rolls. And the Ohio Secretary of State made decisions about provisional ballots, partisan poll watchers, and paper requirements for registration forms that some found questionable, leading to widespread confusion and possible disenfranchisement. 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 During the election, we know that there were not enough voting machines in poorer and minority. Whoa, look at her undermining the election. That's like January 6th. Gosh, these people. All right, the great Carol Roth is going to join us coming up next. But first, home title lock. You've heard me talk about it before. Home title theft is kind of one of those major deals that people don't think about. You don't think about it. I never even heard of it until it happens to you. And then you say, uh-oh. Because here's the thing, if it happens to you, if these cyber, cyber thieves get a hold of your home title, which is online, if they get a hold of it, they're going to bankrupt you. They're going to get you evicted, or you're going to have to spend tens of thousands of dollars on a lawyer to get it unwound. It's just, it's, it's a living hell. Well, you don't think to get protection until it happens, and by then it's too late. You might already be a victim of it right now as we speak, and you wouldn't know. It takes them forever to figure it out. Go to HomeTitleLock.com right now because they have a free offer. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code RADIO when you sign up. But while you're there, put in your address. They'll tell you already if you're a victim of home title theft. You might be. HomeTitleLock.com. Go put in your address. Again, promo code is RADIO. Carol Roth joins us next. Record job creation, record unemployment declines, record increases in the people in the labor force. I would argue the Biden economic plan is working and is getting America back to work, back on its feet. Records, baby. We're setting records out there. I'm excited about this. Joining me now to talk about that is Carol Roth. She's a recovering investment banker. And of course, author of the great book I've been telling you to buy a while now, The for, the, the War on Small Business. Carol, R Joe Biden's setting records. He's shattering records. Aren't you excited? I'm excited. It is quite the boom. And as I sit and listen to him <laughs> with all of these jobs that he has created, we are still several million jobs away from where we were in February 2020. We have several million people who still who have not rejoined the labor force from February 2020. Um, inflation is going through the roof, so that's a really good record. I mean, that's a certain kind of a Biden boom, isn't it, Jesse? It certainly is a different kind of a Biden boom. All right, and in all seriousness, Carol, 
How is he getting to these numbers? Not that I think any of these people have any problem just telling outright lies, but he, he's bringing up these numbers somehow. What kind of politician math are we doing here? Um, I think it's the typical politician math. And as you know, I, I tend to be a fair person. So the reality is that some of this stuff happened before his administration took office when we had in March of 2020 last year and uh, you know, extending out from there, the government turning off about a third of the economy and then deciding that that wasn't going to have any repercussions, paying people stimulus, allowing them to drop out of the labor force, um, letting the Fed put trillions of dollars into the market so that people could stay home and, and day trade. And so some of these things were inherited by him. But at the same time, he doubled down on that bad policy uh, and did more. So basically, he is counting jobs that we reclaimed from turning the economy off to getting back to where we were, getting some of those back as a victory when we are still not back to where we were in February of 2020. And unfortunately, context matters. If I told you that I had a friend who sold his business for $20 million, you might think that's a huge success, except that he bought it for $40 million. So unfortunately, Oof. numbers are not opinions, they're not feelings, the context does matter, but when it comes to the Democrats and politics, uh, it doesn't seem that that's part of their plan. Oh, the business side of me, Carol, just got heartburn just thinking about that 20 to 40 million thing you just brought up. So let's rough. just get past that real quick. It was rough, yeah. <laughs> here's, here, here's Jim Cramer talking about millions of people unemployed. Return to page three of the Lee's household survey. I thought it was very interesting that 3.1 million people reported they've been unable to work because their employer closed or lost business due to the pandemic. This is what I'm hearing from a lot of CEOs is that basically, look, uh, we can't staff or we're looking for people or a lot of our customers have gone under. Carol, I hear this from every single business owner I know, and I know a lot of them, big ones and small ones. They can't find people to come to work. Where are these people? Yeah, so there are 11 million plus jobs at the last count uh, that are available for people to fill. And we have had some systemic issues. We have about, I think it's 3 million baby boomers who decided that they were going to retire early, um, partly probably because they got a little bit of stimulus, but also because their retirement accounts had been doing very well from all the Fed stimulus that pumped up Wall Street at the expense of Main Street. It is possible that as inflation takes hold and if we don't get you know that much money coming into the markets that the returns may go down, that over time they may find they don't have enough to live on, but today that's where they are. Uh, we also stopped some of the legal immigration that always comes into the workforce. And then a third factor in terms of some of the younger folks that there is this whole, I don't want to work movement. And they sit on chat boards and encourage each other not to work because they feel like they aren't getting um, the same respect. And you know, totally understand that. And many of them have taken to trading stocks and trading crypto, which again has worked 
dropped over the last couple of years because of all the intervention into the market, but may not be the kind of thing that works going forward. Uh, but it is a hugely systemic issue, and one way to easily fix it would make, make it to be to make it be easier for smaller businesses to hire their first employee. I mean, we have 31.7 million small businesses; only six million of them have employees. To get the rest of them to hire that first employee would be a huge boon, would open up all types of employment. Unfortunately, it's really costly and has a lot of issues, and I don't think the government truly cares. Carol, can you explain, let's just go ahead and get sidetracked for a moment, because <laughs> I like doing this with you. Can you explain this I want respect attitude from young people today. And I'm not one of these guys who complains about the next generation. I think that's crap. I think every generation's pretty much the same. But I hear this a lot nowadays about, I don't have respect and he didn't respect me. Buddy, you run the fries. You're an idiot. You're not worthy of respect yet. You gotta earn respect yet. Did, did I, am I the only one with the father in this country? What is this? <laughs> Yes, unfortunately, I think you are the only one with a father that wanted to be a father and not a father and a mother who wanted to be best friends. And when you have an entire generation that was raised on getting trophies for participation, you know, they aren't given those tools and the coping to understand that when you go in with no skills, that your starting pay isn't a reflection on the value of you as a human being. It's a reflection of the value that you are bringing to the workforce. Now, that being said, I think that companies have done a very poor job over time in terms of building loyalty uh, with their own employee base, which is frankly just a bad business practice because if you have great employees, then that is reflective in the service that you provide and the goods you provide to customers and ends up being good for profit. So it's a win-win, um, but unfortunately it's happening on multiple levels and people, they're not, and Eric Carbon saying, you're not respect my authority. <laughs> All right, Carol. All right, we're done getting sidetracked here because you said something earlier and I almost interrupted you, but I know better than to interrupt Carol Roth. You said as inflation starts to take hold, uh, Carol, I just did some budgeting with the wife the other night. Inflation seems to have already taken hold. Are you saying it's going to get worse? That's a fair correction, um, Jesse. I, I will accept that one and uh, I, I guess I should have said we'll continue to extend and, and conti continue to wreak havoc upon our lives. Yes, obviously inflation um, has been very significant and is the outgrowth specifically of government policies. While they like to blame it on you, it has to do again with the Fed printing money and the stimulus and the disruption of the labor markets and the supply chain. And fortunately, because of all of those issues that have not been corrected and continue um, you know, in the, the wisdom of central planning will continue, this will continue in terms of inflation in the next year. So I think you can have expectation of higher inflation. Here's the trick though, that you have to, to watch out for is that you know whatever the inflation rate is, and we're gonna get it this week for last year, this coming year may be slightly lower. So if it was 7% this year, it could be five or 6% or even 4%. And they're gonna tell you that inflation is down. Inflation isn't down. The rate of growth in inflation is down. That increase is a permanent increase, a tax that you're going to pay for the rest of your life. So keep an eye out. They are going to spin that as a win when it happens, and it is not a win for your pocketbook. 
Okay, well, as long as Carol's just dropping these prophecies of doom, uh, bare shelves Biden's one of those things. It was trending on Twitter. It's not important over the weekend, but bare shelves are important. They are extremely important. And I remember a couple months ago, we were getting warned that those were coming, and then it didn't really seem to come. I know there was some of that out there, and now it does seem to be happening across the country. The supply chain problem, is this something that's going to get worse? Are we getting this figured out? I know there was this huge glut in California. What's happening? So I think a lot of this actually stems from what we're speaking about in terms of the labor market. If you do not have enough people working to produce the goods and services, they have to be rationed in some way. And then think about that, you know, moving through the supply chain, if your inputs are rationed and that you're put you're putting that into something to create a final product, that's also going to be rationed. So it just kind of is a snowball effect. And so until we really see meaningful changes um, in the labor market, I think that in certain industries for certain, you're going to see supply chain issues. Um, and, you know, again, if the government got out of the way and made it easier for us to transact business, then we wouldn't have these issues, but they like to stick their nose in everything. And I don't see that changing either. Oh, wonderful. Well, wonderful. All right, Carol, lastly, what is the consumer price index? They didn't teach that in my community college. <laughs> so there are various measures of inflation. The consumer price index is the measurement of a basket of goods, trying to sort of um, show how the average person, how much the average person is spending for their basic goods and services. That particular measure is a household survey, and it tends to focus on urban households. There's also the PC. The, the personal consumption uh, expenditure index, which is something that measures output, and that's usually used more by economists. And then there's the PPI, the producer price index, which is the wholesale measure. So all of those inputs that go into producing goods and services. And so you really want to kind of look at all the pictures uh, because especially with the CPI, but really with all of the data, they always tend to fudge it. They've changed the way they calculate it. So if there's something that you could substitute, they're going to say, well, since you can substitute to X, you don't really have to pay that much more for the same thing. So it's never really an apples to apples comparison. But overall, you know, seeing that go up, um, whether it's overall or core CPI, is not a good thing for your pocket. I've just been I've just been spreading sunshine all over the place, Jen. Is there anything positive that I can tell? Right. The Raiders are in the playoffs. That's positive. Uh, yeah. No, I'm sorry, Carol. I'm sorry. I've got to go pour a glass of whiskey after this interview. <laughs> Carol Roth, author of The War on Small Business. Thank you, Carol. All right. We got light in the mood. Next. All right, it's time to lighten the mood. Look, this Friday, we're doing a special, Kamala Harris. I think we all forget about the fact Kamala Harris is 100% going to be president at some point over the next three years. Old Joe, he hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't had a press conference in over 60 days. Kamala Harris is going to be president at some point in time. We forget about how horrible she is. And we're doing a special this Friday. Now... I'll give you a brief little window into my thoughts on Kamala Harris. 
Harris compares January 6th to September 11th in the attack on Pearl Harbor. Well, well, Harris should probably stick with things like pearl necklaces and not Pearl Harbor. If you want to see that special this Friday, though, you got to become a First TV supporter. Just go on the app. Go to thefirsttv.com slash support and sign up. Be a supporter. Then you get access to all of our specials on demand and much, much more. Thefirsttv.com slash support. I'll see you tomorrow.